I'm starting to hear the words, God's ways, best ways in my sleep. Uh, uh, anyway, it's very creative, JK. I appreciate that. Yes. Well, anyway, you guys, welcome to Catalyst. Those of you that are joining us online, those of you that are healing up and, and, and still in quarantine from COVID, uh, we, we know that you're joining with us online. Thank you for everybody who joins us today. Uh, for those of you that are visiting, my name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're in a series in Proverbs called God's Ways, Best Ways. And, um, and this is part five, which is called Choose Your Tribe Wisely. Right? The main thing today is that you will take on the values of the ones you, spend, you surround yourself with. And I want everybody to turn to Proverbs 12, 26, underline that, go to your you version or take out your outline and check this out. This is our focus verse today. The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leaves them astray. Right? The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. I was in my second year of youth ministry, uh, second year of ministry, when I experienced my first major crisis, first of many. Um, two of the kids in the youth ministry had gotten suspended from school. They were caught smoking pot at school. That's a pretty big deal. These were middle school kids. They were sixth graders. And so it was a little bit strange to see you know, that, that early. Um, I went and visited with one kid's family, and just distraught parents, just devastated parents that their kids would, kid would do this, um, and the, the, the kid was really embarrassed and, uh, and everything, and I remember the mom saying this, he's gotten in with the wrong crowd, he's a good kid who's hanging around with all these bad kids, okay? I mean, we, we've heard that a lot, we've seen that happen, right? Well, I went and visited the other kid's family. And distraught parents, kid was devastated. I mean, it's almost identical reaction. And the mom said almost to a T. He's a good kid. He's just hanging out with a lot of bad friends, gotten in with the wrong crowd. And I heard this from two parents, both thinking that their kid was the good kid and blaming the other. So here were two different sets of parents, like each claiming their kid was the good one, it was the wrong crowd. And I realized something in that moment that stayed with me as a parent, as a youth minister, as a pastor, um, was this. So every kid's parent thinks their kid's the good one, and that all the other ones are bad. He's, they all think that they're the good kid who's gotten the wrong crowd. There were five students that got suspended, and all five of them believed their kid to be the good one, and the other four were the bad. And I realized something. There's no such thing as a good kid who's gotten in with the wrong crowd. Like, whoa, I've seen it. No, 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 no. There is no such thing as a good kid who's gotten in with the wrong crowd. They're only kids who gravitate towards those they share values with. Okay? If you, are, if you think your kid is the good kid hanging out with the wrong crowd, guess what? That's what every other parent thinks about the kids in that crowd. Birds of a feather flock together. You will travel life through the people you share your values with. Okay, Proverbs 12, 16 says, Righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Here's the truth. I want you guys to remember this. This is some wisdom from the Word of God. Okay, this is it. You are the sum total of the five people you spend the most time with. Sum total, that's, that's number one. You are, the, you are the sum total, your life, sum total of the five people you spend the most time with. 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says this. Bad company corrupts good character. So whoever you spend most the most time around is going to be who you are. 
There was, uh, I, 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 several years ago, a friend of mine called me up, asked me to go out to lunch. We were in our 30s at the time. And he sat down, he didn't even say hi. We sat down at the restaurant, and he goes, my wife cheated on me. And uh, a little bit taken aback, and I said, well, tell me what happened. He said this, he goes, we, we, we were high school sweethearts, and she got pregnant, senior in high school, we got married, we got married early, we married young. And uh, they were now 30, been married 12 years, they had two kids, and his wife had gotten a new job at a bank, and she was the only married person there. He started going out with his single co-workers after work. And you know what happened next. There's nothing evil about being single. There's nothing evil about single people. I mean, every one of us at some point was single, and, and, and some of you still are. It's wonderful. It's just that the goals uh, and purpose and lifestyle of married people is very different than that of single people. And uh, to her, this mom, this 30-year-old, the single life looks so glamorous. The, the, her friends were able to just go out of town whenever they wanted. They didn't have responsibilities at home. They didn't have to do the hard work of, of, of working on a marriage and, and the hard work of raising kids. They, when they went home, they got to do whatever they want, and they got to spend money however they wanted, and it just looked so glamorous. And not only that, but when the single friends would go out, they were scoping the field, looking for the next boyfriend, the next girlfriend, the next one-night stand. Well, she immersed herself in that crowd. And it wasn't hard to see what happened next. Because you are the sum total of the five people you hang out with the most. Two children and a husband left that day. Were left that day. Because you will take on the values of the people you spend time with. Choose your tribe wisely. Show me your friends, people, and I'll show you you. You are the sum total of the five people you hang out with the most. So there are four things we got to consider when choosing our tribe, how to, live, how to live wisely in this world. Four things. The first one is this, looking at friends, choosing your tribe. Number one is this, what fruit are their lives producing? What fruit? Proverbs 13, 15 says this, good judgment wins favor, but the way of the unfaithful leads to their destruction. I want you guys to word, underline the word way. The way of the unfaithful, the way. The way of the unfaithful leads to that destruction. All right, again, we see the laws of sowing and reaping. If you've been here for this series, we have talked about the law of sowing and reaping. You cannot reap something different than you sow, the Bible says. God says whatever you plant in your yard, that's what you're going to see growing. Whatever you, whatever you invest in in this life is what you're going to see growing. If you invest in gossip and drama and bitterness, you're going to reap that in your life. If you, if you sow uh, uh, fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, you're going to reap those things in your life. The law of sowing and reaping is all throughout the book of Proverbs. Okay, So what fruit are the, these people's lives producing? What's going on at home? What are they doing? Um, I, I'm not much of a, an agrarian. I, I'm not a farmer and everything, but I do know one thing. I know how to tell an apple tree is an apple tree. I'll, I'll, I'll bet you guys do too. Let's see if we get any geniuses in the audience today. How do you tell an apple tree is an apple tree? Apples. How do you tell a pear? And the same thing, I even know how to tell a pear tree is a pear tree. You know that? You know how you tell a pear tree is a pear tree? By the fruit. Exactly. The tree is 
what it produces. In the same, life, the same way, we are too. Whatever our lives are producing, that's what we are. It's plain for everyone to see. So when choosing your tribe, you can tell their character and their destination simply by the fruit that their life is producing. See, guys, I wouldn't take relationship advice from a person who has a string of bitter exes in their past that's piling up. I wouldn't take relationship advice because their life is not producing good fruit relationally. Okay, I wouldn't. There's no, there's no, you know, no, I'm not saying anything about people that, that have had, been unlucky in relationships, but I probably wouldn't take your advice on relationships because the fruit that your life is producing is not good. I wouldn't, I wouldn't take parenting advice from people whose kids are a disaster. Man, you got a person whose kid's getting suspended from school every single week, and, and there's chaos and, and everything, and they try to tell me how to parent. I probably wouldn't take that advice because the fruit of their parenting is not good. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't listen, take legal advice from a lawyer freshly out of jail. I wouldn't. Man, you're following your own advice. Look where it got you. Why would I follow you? Uh, I wouldn't listen to a pastor whose family is in complete chaos. I really wouldn't. Because he's not getting done in his own home, the Bible says. You cannot manage the family of God. I would not do that. So the question is, when looking at who your friends are, what fruit are they producing? Because you're going to be like them. You're going to take on their values. Do they have something you want? And the same thing, parents. Know the, know the character, know the fruit of the people that, your, friend, that your, your kids are hanging around, okay? What fruit are they producing? Uh, when Rachel and I were first engaged, uh, those of you that are visiting, um, uh, we just had our 25th anniversary, but we got engaged when we were in college. Got engaged very, very, very young, okay? And uh, we were the only ones. I was the only one that I knew, my friends on the soccer team, on the track team. I was the only one that was getting, that was even close to selling down and everything like that. And, and, and so I remember guys on the soccer team, okay, these are college people, 19, 20, 21 years old, coming up to me and asking me if I was really going to be getting married right out of college. And I said, yeah. I mean, we're graduating Megan, married in June. And several, I mean, more then not said, no, 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 you don't want to do that. See, see, you got to live together first to see if you're compatible. Hmm. A bunch of unmarried people telling me how to do marriage. Why would I listen to that? Not only that, but they weren't looking out for my relationship. They didn't know my faith. They didn't know my values. Why would I listen to that? So you guys, you got to look at what fruit your, the lives are producing. Do they, do they have something that you want, that, that, some place that you want to go? Do you have, do, do, are they moving toward the same direction that you're going in? If not, you do not need to be friends with them because the righteous choose their friends carefully, the Bible says. Okay, second thing is this. Are you equal partners? Are you equal partners? Proverbs 18.24 says this, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. Whoa! How many of y'all have learned that? That's the truth, isn't it? Unreliable friends comes to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. It is imperative that the friends you choose are equally committed to this friendship as you. I can't tell you how many friends I've had that the only time we get together is when I call. 
The only time we talk is when I contact him. The only time we go out for lunch is when I ask him out. If I did not initiate contact, I'd never hear from him. Is that an equal partnership? Is that a good friend? No, it's not. They're not. Because they are, you are more invested in a relationship than they are. Okay? One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. Is this person as committed to this friendship as you are? You need to know that. If the only time you get together is when they need something, need some advice, they need some money, or they need to borrow something, or they need you to do something for them, if that's the only time they call, time to run. Time to run. Because this person is not a friend. This person is using you. And a lot of us fall into those types of traps. Okay? If, listen, if the only time you talk to a friend is when you call, you don't have a friend. Plain and simple, are you equal partners? See, true friends want nothing from you but your company. Remember that. True friends want nothing from you but your company because they value you. They don't value what you can give them. See, the prodigal son, sorry, the prodigal son, he left with a whole lot of money, with the old, half the old man's money, remember? And he goes to the foreign land, in the distant land, and it says he, he, he just spends it all in wild living. I guarantee you he had tons of friends, didn't he? Tons of people that wanted him to buy them a round of drinks. Tons of people that wanted to, for him to throw the next party. Tons of people that wanted him to pick up the check at dinner. Tons of friends. But when it was all gone, what happened? He found out that he had no friends. No one would even hire him. No one would even give him food. I wonder how many, how many meals he bought for people. And then when he was starving, they were, no, they were nowhere to be found. One of the saddest things, I'm going to, one of the saddest things I've ever seen. Pastor that I look up to, a guy named Wayne Smith, founding pastor at Southland, legend. At least he used to be. He, he's he's gone. He's been he's he's been with Jesus for about five years now. He was a he was a, a, a quite an example to me. He was a tremendous pastor. Wayne's hospital visits were legendary. Sometimes he would spend forty eight hours away from the home. He would spend at night in hospital rooms. That was before COVID. You could actually go to hospitals and visit people. And he would, he would pray for the families. He'd stay there, these people in ICU. And, and he, sometimes uh, his, his wife wouldn't even know where he was. She trusted he was in the ICU or, or in the hospital spending, uh, praying for people. Thousands and thousands of people did he visit. He would even go to funeral homes, to funerals of people he didn't even know, and he would pray for the family during the funeral and visit with them. Probably in his 40-year ministry career, hundreds of thousands of people did he visit in the hospital and at funeral homes. A couple years before he died, Wayne was having surgery at Central Baptist, Baptist Hospital, whatever it is now. You know how many people were there to pray with him for his surgery? And remember, hundreds of thousands of people probably he visited in the hospital. You know how many were there? Five. Five. See, people, make sure you're an equal partner with the friends that you are traveling life with. 
Okay. Number three is this. Do they bring you good or harm? Does being around this person or these people bring you good or bring you harm? Listen to this. Proverbs 13, 20 says this. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Wow. Companion of fools suffers harm. One of my best friends in high school. We had, we had been friends since we were 12 years old. Um, it was tremendous. He was a tremendous soccer player. He was all state Six foot one, 195, or six two, 195, humongous, big, strong athlete, just, just incredible soccer player. Uh, he get, went, on, on, went to play for University of Kentucky on scholarship, soccer team there. And we'd played club ball together since we were 12, one of my best friends in high school. Freshman year, he was introduced to a group of guys who, well, let's just say they took party in to the extreme. They were not just into alcohol. They were into the harder stuff at the time. In the early, mid-90s, it was cocaine. Within one semester, he lost his scholarship, flunked out, dropped out of school, and began running with that crowd full-time. It's amazing. This incredible athlete with a great future completely wrecked it. And one Christmas when I was home from school, from school a few years later, Dad showed me an article in the paper. That's back when people read the newspaper. There had been a huge drug bust somewhere in town and listed all the people arrested in first name. My friend from high school. Guy was, a, like I said, a fantastic athlete. Dedicated, disciplined, good friend. Nothing demonstrates the validity of this scripture. Companion of fools suffers harm like his. Walk with the wise and become wise. Companion fool suffers harm. So ask yourself, is being around these people, what has this brought me? Has this brought me good? Have they encouraged me? Am I a better person? Am I, am I uh, more enjoying life more being around these people? Or not? Are, are, are they black holes that just suck the, the, the joy and the life and the, and the vitality out of me when I'm around? When I get done being around them, am I just exhausted and bitter and negative? Because they're bringing you harm. Or are, are they bitter complainers and drama queens that just go off on the slightest little thing and constantly upset at the world, like mad at the world? Well, if you're around those type of people, you need to stop. Because the righteous choose their friends carefully. Okay? And the fourth is most important. If you don't hear anything else I say this morning, say that, hear this. Do they make you choose between them and Jesus? And I'm not talking consciously. Talking is being with them, draw you away from your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Luke 14, 25 through 27. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. Turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me, does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. In other words, do these people... Basically, what Jesus is saying, listen, if there's anything in your life taking you away from me, taking you away from me, then you need to cut it loose. Because if there's anything but that you value more than me, you cannot be my disciple. See, in the church, we have this really weird concept of, of Jesus being this, this, this guy just kind of begging people, please, please, please believe in me. I mean, I'll give you everything. Please, just, just believe in me. And if you'll just come to church maybe once in a week, once in a while, and if you'll just kind of throw up a prayer, I mean, I will just love that. That's just so awesome. Just, just pay a little bit of attention to me, please. A lot of people have that 
type of concept of Jesus. Let me tell you, that's completely wrong. Jesus says, listen, you need to be my disciple. And if you are not forsaking everything, you can't be my disciple. I'm not begging people at all. I'm looking for people that truly worship me. I'm looking for people that truly prioritize me because I'm the king of kings and lord of lords, and I will not play second fiddle to anybody. I will not, if I'm not first place, I'm not there at all, is what Jesus says. And this is what he's saying here. You cannot be my disciple unless I am number one. And if that means that you have friends that are pulling you away from Jesus, it means you got to cut them loose. That's it, because true friends, get this, true friends will point you to Jesus because that is the most important thing in your life. If you have a friend that is taking you away from Jesus, they are not a friend because they're messing with your eternity. A real friend would say, I value you so much more than anything else, and I am, I am literally pushing you towards Jesus because that's what's best for you. That's what a real friend does. Don't ever forget that. So, so does your time with this group of friends the people that, I'm not saying you can't be friends with people that aren't Christians. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying your tribe that you travel life with, your circle, these need to be people that, that, that encourage your relationship with Jesus. Key question. And then I want to ask, yourself, ask that of you too. Are you the kind of friend that pushes people towards Jesus? Are, are people's walk with Christ suffering because of you? I want to ask people that are dating. Hey, is if, if this person dating you, are they closer to Christ because of you? If not, you need to break up because you're messing with their eternity, okay? That, that, that relationship with Jesus Christ is far too important for you to be in the way. And if you truly care about that person and you are dragging them away from Jesus, you need to cut ties and say, you know what, I, I'm, I'm not the man or I'm not the woman for you because I'm taking it away from Jesus and that's the worst thing, it's the last thing I ever wanted, Okay? I heard a statistic, and 95% of Christians have never led another person to Christ. 95% of people who call Jesus Christ Lord and Savior have never led another person to Christ. That must mean that the 5% that have must be doing one heck of a job. We have 700,000 churches in America, one out of every three people in, 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 this, in this entire world calls himself Christian, and that's only being done by 5% of the people? Amazing. Well, why is it? How, how do people come to Christ? How do people come to Christ? Is it because of a great sermon? Is it because of Christian TV? Is it because of Christian radio? Is it because of Christian movies? Is it because of handing out tracts? No, that's not how people come to Christ. Some, some do. Not many. People come to Christ because they become part of a community. Because they have Christian friends. And Christianity, listen to this, Christianity is far more often caught than is taught far more often caught than it's taught. That's the way it was for me. I had the battle of friends my senior year in high school. I had two groups of friends. I had my, my lost friends, my, my non-Christian friends that I was playing sports with and running around with. And I had Christian friends that I was in a band with. And my senior year, I don't know if some of you have heard my testimony, a lot of you haven't. My senior year, I felt like it was a battle between these two, who, which path I was going to take with this group of friends or this group of friends. And, and in the beginning, it was comfortable because, you know, the, the, their, their paths were kind of doing this. But, and, and so you could, you could kind of, you know, keep one foot in each camp. 
you know, still, this, this isn't too bad, you know, doing this. This isn't too bad. Still, eh, comfortable. But as time went on, they were going this way, and they were going this way, and going this way. And I used to be able to do this a lot better when I was, you know, younger. I don't know if I can get up from this right now. It gets uncomfortable. And pretty soon I had to choose. I had to choose which path I was going to take. And you do too. In my senior in high school, the values of the one group weren't good and I was taking on their values. The drinking, partying, carousing, everything like that. Pulling me away from Christ. These friends here that I was in a band with were, were, were the real deal. They were, they were dedicated Christians. They weren't cool. They weren't, they weren't, but they were, they were the best people I knew. And I, and I was just torn between. And it all came to a head on January 17th, 1992. Had everything to do with friends. Everything to do with what we're talking about here. January 17th, 1992. It was a winter prom um, in, at Henry Clay High School in Lexington, and um, we had uh, we set the stage, me and my bad friends. We got in hotel rooms at, at the downtown, that's where the, where the prom was, the winter prom. We had lied to our parents and tell them, hey, we're going to spend the night here, spend the night. We were planning to spend the night in the hotel room with our dates, have a huge party all night long. That's what we were going to do, 17 years old. And had a terrible, terrible, terrible time. Um, uh, been a lot of alcohol that night. A terrible time. And as we went up to the, uh, went up to the rooms, there was a hand that stopped me. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't a human hand. It's a hand. I guess it was a hand of God saying, don't go in there. And stopped me, and, and, and I looked, and it was like God pulled the, pulled the blinders off, and he let me see who was actually in that room. And I realized that these were people I didn't even like. I had nothing in common with them. They didn't like me. I didn't like them. The only thing that was in there was a, was, was a party, was alcohol, was destruction, basically. That's all that was in there. And I don't know if the Lord actually poisoned my stomach, but I got physically sick. And I said, I do not want this anymore. And as my, right then, the Lord brought my other group of friends to me. The guys that were the real deal. The guys that were genuine. The guys that were faithful to God. And their character was so much higher and I realized that I do not want this. I want to be like them. I wasn't even thinking about Jesus yet. I wanted to be like them. And so I left. I left the party. I left the prom. I left my date there. I hope she got home. I shouldn't have been driving home, but I drove home. And in the car, right there on Richmond Road, Every time I drive by it, right in front of Noswell the Auditorium, the old, board, board of edu- old Henry Clay, where the Board of Education is. Every time I drive by there, taking back to that moment where I met Jesus for the first time. Like, he was in the car with me. 
I don't know if he actually was in the car with me. All I know is that when I passed by that, this incredible feeling of warmth, like I started sweating, you know, I, I don't, it, like the temperature in the car got like 150 degrees. And I, as sure as I'm speaking to you right now, I, I could hear the voice of God saying, if you're sick of your life, I want to invite you to close that door and all those friends that have been leading you the wrong way. And I want you to leave, leave your life behind in that room. And I want you to come and follow me. And I'll show you life to the full. In 1991, 30 years ago. And when I got home, Something had happened. I never had an experience like this before in my life. I'd never seen anything like this. I'd never experienced anything like this. Not in a youth group, not in a church, not anywhere. I've never experienced that type of close fellowship with God. I never had felt it. It was amazing. I had no idea what happened. But I knew that something had happened. And there was a, there was a Bible on my shelf, a student Bible. I'd never read it. And I said, I'm just going to pull this Bible out. One o'clock in the morning or something. And I do not endorse this procedure as this is bad Bible practice, okay? But this is what happened. I just opened it up and I started reading. And I, my, I write to John 10, 10, where Jesus says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. That is what that stuck with me for 30 years. Guys, I want to tell you, had it not been for my friends, I don't know if I would have come to that moment. If it would not have been the community that God had given me, I don't know if I would have taken that route. I really don't. But because I had friends that were Christian, that cared about me, that were talking and living the gospel in front of me. That is how I became a Christian. And that's how most of you, have, if you're a Christian today, have become Christian. You have chosen the right friends. I cannot emphasize this enough. And this is why I just, just cringe and I chafe when people tell me, oh, I can be a Christian without being part of a church. Oh, you don't have to be part of a church to be a Christian. Well, you're surrounding yourself with somebody, and whoever you're surrounding yourself with is, is influencing you, and you're taking on their values, and if it isn't the church, guess what's happening to you? You are being moved away from Jesus Christ, okay? You will take on the values of the ones you surround yourself with. Parents, are, your, are, are you leading your kids into relationships that will move them closer to Christ? Every, every kid in this group, I, I, in this church, I, I, I was a youth minister once, so I'm going to say this. Every, every teenager in this church and online should be in youth group. Every kid should be in children's ministry. Not because uh, something magical happens there, but because the tribe you, your kids travel with is who your kids are. If they're not being surrounded by Christian, uh, by Christian friends that are moving them to Jesus Christ, they're being surrounded by, by, by friends that are moving them away from Jesus Christ. Plain and simple, all right? I'm just telling you. The Bible makes it so very clear that the righteous choose their friends wisely because that's who you become. Plain and simple. So maybe what we need to do right now 
maybe there needs to be some friend surgery going on right now. Or if you look around and say, you know what, I, I've surrounded myself with people that care about my walk with Christ and, and, and they are encouraging me, maybe it's time to be thankful. Maybe it's time to do that. Well, the only thing that I want to tell you as we wrap this up and invite the band to come on back up is that your pastor is standing in front of you today because of Christian friends he had in high school. Plain and simple. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm a Christian, let alone being a pastor. Okay? That's how powerful the right friends are. When you choose your tribe, make sure that you're using the word of God to choose wisely. Say this again, the, 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 the righteous choose their friends carefully. The way of the wicked leads them astray. Today, if you have good friends, I want you to text them, I want you to call them, write them a note, say thank you. Thank you for encouraging me on my walk with Christ. Thank you for encouraging me on my journey because Man, I'm thankful for you. And if you have friends, and I hate to say this, some may be family members that are leading you the wrong way, it's time to put up some boundaries, you guys. If they're friends, you cut them loose. It's not worth your eternity. They're family members, and you can't cut them loose. Boundaries. Boundaries. And make sure that you're spending time with people that are joining you on your journey. Joining you on your journey. Pick where you want to go. Start running at it as hard as possible. And then look around, look side by side and see who's keeping up. And say, hey, you know what? Let's do life together. Because we're all moving the same direction. The Bible says, righteous choose their friends carefully. The way of wicked leads them astray. God bless you.